defeating fake news and critical thinking as the power the world needs most. Ask me anything of episode EF5. I'm Scott Ely. Welcome to episode EF22 of the Evolve Faster podcast. Quick spoiler alert, you're about to listen to an Ask Me Anything episode, looking back at episode EF5, which was season one, episode two of the Evolve Faster podcast, titled, The Truth is Clay in the Hands of a Sculptor. I'm going to read a paragraph from the website uh, describing the episode when it launched to remind you. To try and understand the truth about truth itself, we'll look into correspondence theory, coherence theory, pragmatism, and truth-seeking components of the philosophy of Immanuel Kant. Each argument will give us a unique approach to just what the truth might be. But if there can be only one truth, which one is correct? The one molded by your hands or by someone else's hands? And if forced to face an absolute truth, would you be able to accept all of its consequences? So the questions we're gonna to try to tackle today, do you think copywriting is really lying? Do people really not even listen to stuff unless it's sensational anymore? Can anyone really know the truth now that the information volumes are so high? Is the fundamental truth from the episode correct? Is the categorical imperative the best definition we have of the truth? How does one be brave enough to take actions? Why can't we just agree not to lie? Why do we need rules for this? Is the country based on any country or movement tried about lying? And then there's a couple more questions that we'll see if we have time for. Do you really think copywriting is lying? A couple quotes from the episode. Copywriting, like rhetoric, PR, politics, and other forms of marketing, was an art built upon a strong foundation of stretching reality, misdirection of facts, hyperbole, and creative verbiage. In other words, lying. Another quote, small lies, just to make it a bit more interesting, Truman thought. So is copywriting lying? I mean, it depends. In my opinion, there's certainly something rotten here. I mean, how many times was the article title you clicked underwhelming to say the least? But still, it's not outright lying. I mean, copywriting is all about making something more fantastic than it really is. That's the job. And then again, you can probably think of countless other jobs that do the same thing. I worked in software sales, what seems like nine lives ago, but uh, that was during the run-up to the first dot-com bubble, you know, around the year 2000. We often called what we were selling, I worked for a couple different high-tech, fast-moving startups at the time, and we called what we were selling vaporware a lot of times, as in selling a marketing pitch without too much to back it up. I suppose it's also not too different than all of us trusting a currency that devalues every year as they print more and more money and is no longer backed by gold like it used to be. Vapor currency? Anyway, so to look at uh, Truman's conundrum, what happened to Truman as he was exploring the truth? He realized no matter how you cut it, you can usually see just about any statement as either lying or as the truth based on whose perspective is looking at it. So I suppose it depends on the copywriting level. There are landing pages with pure speculation copywriting that completely stretch the truth. If you're approaching copywriting with the aim to convince no matter what, you're probably going to lie. But if your goal is to inform and entertain, copywriting has a great role. 
but it comes down to the intent of the writer or maybe the desperation of the company behind the copy. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not trash-talking copywriters. I think they're really clever. And no, I'm not just saying this because Antonio's other job is copywriting and we like to give each other grief. But I'm not sure I could do the job. Writing with creativity and, and zeal for about things that I don't know much about would be really hard for me. I also know many other copywriters and the way they approach their job is to walk that thin line between making it intriguing and not entirely falsely advertising. So I can imagine the job being easier several decades ago, but with the internet, the competition is must be immense and, and intense. So let me add context to this question with a quote from the episode. The main point here is what George says at one point in the story, which is, who's really to blame? The liar or the person who takes the lies as fact without evaluating them critically. In the end, it's us, the consumers, who dictate the structure. As I detailed in the behind the podcast for this episode, I doubt sensationalism would be so popular if there wasn't such high demand for it, no matter if it's conscious or subconscious. If there was a higher demand for honest and informative news, don't you think the media would provide more of that? So it seems to me unfair to put the entire blame on the copywriter without wondering why journalism and copywriting became what they are today. You can't only blame the DJ for the shitty music. Someone wants to hear it. And is it the role and responsibility of the news media and more modern social platforms like Facebook and Twitter to play the role of a gatekeeper who needs to fix the fake news problem? Aren't we even more culpable for our consumption and sharing habits? I read a statistic recently that around 15% of people admitted to intentionally sharing fake political news online. So if we'd stop honoring shit like this with our time and shares, then it would die. Do people really not even listen to stuff that's not sensational anymore? It's nice when the current question is the direct answer to the previous question, don't you think? Or maybe I just organized them that way. But put yourself to the test on this one. So next time you're giving your opinion on something in a conversation, observe and compare your opinion to the other people's opinion. How many different truths can you count there? So if you want to try even harder, how many people, including yourself as well, are saying something not because they believe it's the truth, but simply because they think it's funny, entertaining, or will get the attention? So it would be childish to think that people only listen to sensationalism, but if that were true, I probably wouldn't be recording this right now. I mean, I do, of course, have a couple of decapitated heads in my stories now and then, so I'm guilty of that, but I don't consider my, my content to be sensational. But, you know, that was, of course, a very legit episode, which just happened to have the word decapitation in the title in both a metaphorical and literal connotation. And in our defense, I'm not painting this fictional podcast to be news. I'm just trying to tell cautionary tales that hopefully both frighten and delighten. So people do still listen to real quality news, of course. It still exists, but the wheat is getting harder to find in all the chaff. It's also that elephant in the room that Truman notices at one point in the episode. Can anyone really know the truth now that the information volumes are so high? How can anyone be informed enough? Since it's highly improbable that volumes will stop growing, we have a serious problem on our hands, don't you think? 
In fact, if the volume's slow, it will mean worse news for humanity because that will mean that probably what you're being shown is even more cherry-picked by Google based on what their AI thinks you should or want to see. In other words, confirmation and availability bias mainlined right into your neural veins. So this is already happening. It's the ultimate confirmation bias machine customized to each of our biases of choice. And since we're having a real-time problem even defining what the actual truth is, it's somewhat laughable to ask if anyone can know something that we can't even define. So in a way, the point of this episode and what I believe is a great start is to begin to actually investigate the nature of the truth and understand the nuance required. Just think what we've been taught about truth. Did you ever at one point stop and consider that, for example, if you were told as a kid, as a lot of kids in America are led to believe, that all you need to be happy was lots of money or a job that pays you lots of money. Perhaps that wasn't true for you, or maybe it's not true for anyone. Our minds are engraved by supposed truths, by people who don't mean anything wrong. It's just their mind has been engraved with the same truths and so on and so on. So it's a monster that feeds itself. So what to do? I mean, critical thinking is the only toolkit I know of. Since critical thinking is analyzing an issue to form a judgment, it's a skill we constantly need to practice and evolve. It's you know somewhat what Daniel Kahneman would call thinking slow, pausing to use reason, reason based on your experiences instead of letting your mind snap to judgment based on too little information and emotion, which will usually be its preference. So getting back to the question, which I feel like I might be somewhat drifting away from, the information volumes are just making thinking slow harder, but only because this is the snap reaction we have. There's more to evaluate, so I need to post this, save this, skim this, and then you keep going endlessly through the literal, literally never-ending feed. Let's say you were to refuse to let yourself do this and instead institute a process. For example, I'm going to read 10 articles on topic XYZ from various sources, not only what Google and Facebook is purposely handing me, before I draw a single conclusion. Now, the flood of information is handy because you do have lots to choose from as long as you take into account the AI bias that's happening under the hood. So my experience is that you will be way less sure of yourself doing it in a systematic way like this because a process like this injects the necessary nuance into your thinking on the topic and likely leads to lateral searching to gain perspective that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Knowing more can make you more humble which is hopefully a side effect of structured critical thinking like this. So ask yourself, do you think for yourself? Do you know why you believe what you believe? What is the truth? Are you brave enough to seek the truth and live knowing what it really is? How might your life be improved if you could think critically, seek the truth, and observe life objectively, but still optimistically? Is the fundamental truth actually correct? In other words, if you had a utopia like the Truman story, could a society without lying be the best scenario for humanity? I'm not actually sure I thought about it 
as most of the episode was spent shooting down the idea that we can have a universal law of any sort. But yes, I think the fundamental truth from the episode, which was an honest citizen makes the world a better place, could be correct, depending on the conditions. Or maybe a better question is, is lying bad by default? Maybe it's not about what you're doing, but how you're doing it. How good you are at playing the game of life with your ego constantly sitting on your shoulder whispering comforting lies, or maybe truths. Perhaps your ego serves daily riddles for you to decipher as true or false. The more accurate philosophical term instead of fundamental truth would be an objective truth, meaning a truth that is not under the influence of one's perception, emotions, or imagination. So it's a truth that doesn't have a bias in its conditions. Now that's a slippery slope we're talking as what each one of us thinks is objective is often extremely self-contradictory. It's hard to master objectivity stripped of emotions, but I do believe it's a rewarding venture. Is the categorical imperative from Immanuel Kant the best definition of the truth? And is there a list of some good categorical imperative examples I can use in everyday life? So to summarize Kant's categorical imperative is to say that if everyone were doing this one thing, would that be a good idea? So whatever it is you, you have on the table to be considering if it's the truth is if everyone was doing that thing, would that be a good idea? So I think the example from the episode is suicide. So pretty clearly no, unless you're in the small pool of people who think that the suffering of being alive outweighs the joys of it, meaning it warrants not bringing more children into this world. And yes, this is an actual philosophical perspective aptly named antinatalism, which is discussed and believed by actual philosophers. As for a list you can use in everyday life, well, Kant was less willing or maybe able to actually give you the answers to the test. Perhaps it's because there are no specific answers. I don't think there can be a list we can use as a means to hack the system because anything you know, universal comes with challenges. The government in the story came up with their truth that an honest citizen makes the world a better place. So just because someone comes up with a truth, that doesn't automatically mean it's true. But where are the objective proofs to, the, to this assessment? Will you simply take their word for it? So the key is to create and critically analyze your own assessments. It might be hard work, but bringing ourselves to the point where we're as close to objectivity as possible, no matter the emotional sacrifices we have to make, might be the way to go. How does one be brave enough to take actions? So I'm interpreting this question to mean, how can we make evaluations in our lives that perhaps are challenging to the worldview of important people in our lives? Or it might also mean, how do we know we know enough to act on what we have decided is the truth through our critical thinking? So let me quote the episode in a couple relevant places. Critical thinking creates independent individuals who don't need constraints set on them by others for the greater good. And another one. No matter how many times George tried to demystify the accusations, his attempts were swallowed by the fire that runs on the fuel of online memes and fabricated truths. So it's a complex question that's hard to answer. 
It's as difficult a question as defining how to become wise, and in fact, might even be the same question. I'd say the more you're a clear thinker, the less you'll have to think about being brave enough to take actions. Developing critical thinking is like having a child. It's a full-blown commitment. If you're in a situation where your worldview is veering from important people in your life, you'll be forced to make decisions that could put other people's well-being at risk. Now, you might think that this is obvious. Nobody wants to do this. So why are we doing it constantly? Even by knowing something is obvious, we still need to work really hard to master obvious skills like not hurting someone. So being brave comes at an emotional cost, but at a certain point, when you make a commitment, you have to do it. So in life, you can't know if a certain action is right or not until you see the results. So let's keep it simple and take everyday situations like taking or quitting a job, asking a person out or deciding if it's, you know, another piece of cake is a smart idea. These can be, you know, risky situations that require what feels like bravery. I don't actually think trusting your gut is always great advice. I think evaluating your options methodically with good research over time will lead you to a more clear direction at, you know, to which mental fork in the road you'll find yourself. Then it's less about bravery and more about follow through. You'll likely never find yourself in Truman's exact situation, but that's why he's fiction, but you will face everyday challenges and it's up to you to rise to the occasion and not give up. It's about ending the day with the thought, I did it instead of I should have done it. Why can't we all just agree not to lie? Why do we need rules to form the truth for us? At one point, Truman wonders by saying, maybe humanity simply needs constraints as we're not capable of functioning without them. I think this is an important idea to consider for this question. Imagine a politician who lied about improving welfare just to get elected. And then also imagine a doctor who lied about the results of an experiment on cancer because she wanted to get funds to try to continue curing cancer. And later she actually succeeds in you know her narrow focus. So they both lied, but how do you feel about each of their lies? Human interaction is extremely complex and lying, like it or not, has survived hundreds of thousands of years of evolutionary selection. I mentioned Sam Harris in his book, Lying, in the episode, or perhaps I cited as a reference, I can't remember which, because I think it's an important little book on this topic. But to me, it's more valuable as a sort of personal manifesto. Lies get you in trouble and complicate your life, so don't do it. But I'm not sure it's really a categorical imperative, and it's hard to imagine it working in all situations. Is the country based on any country or movement that tried this about lying. A quote from the episode, forbidding them to lie was like forbidding them to breathe. Not really, at least not that I know of. It's, a, it's another fictional exaggeration serving as a tool for asking an intriguing question. And I say exaggeration because there are laws that prohibit lying in specific cases, like lying to take someone's money, for example, is you know theft by deception. Lying is a gift we all share, and I think forbidding us humans to lie is like forbidding us to breathe. That's why I said it in the episode. The only way I can see this becoming a reality is by either implementing lying detection chips or 
digital playback of memories. And I'll let you choose which option is better or stranger. To me, they both sound awesome. So although even if this form of society can exist or not isn't the main topic, I'd suggest you play with the idea in your head. How would the world look if there was such a society? But instead of focusing on just lying or the truth, as a matter of fact, I think the smarter thing to do is ask ourselves the question I inserted into this episode. Namely, are we all brave enough to seek the truth and then live knowing what it is? Or I guess I could have just said, you can't handle the truth, but that's already been taken. Well, this brings us to the end of this Ask Me Anything for episode EF5. I apologize to any questions I didn't get to. You can always submit questions to evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss. And next week, we will dig into a behind the podcast looking back at episode EF6. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality, original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do, but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.